0: Welcome to How I Raised It, the podcast that goes behind the scenes with entrepreneurs who've raised capital. We uncover the tips, tricks, and techniques they use to get investors to write a check. Strap in and turn it up. Hi, welcome to another episode of How I Raised It produced by Foundersuite.com. Today I have Tori Smith of Indiatics coming to us from San Francisco. How's your day going?
1: Oh, we're fantastic! We're actually uh, just a few weeks away from getting our robots into human for the first time. So this is a this is an extremely exciting time for us.
0: Okay, well let's uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's start off with what do you do? Let's uh, put some context around this. <laughs> <that's a> pretty <laughs> unnerving uh, statement on its own in isolation. We're getting our robots into humans, but what is Indiatics? What do you guys do?
1: Well. Endiotics is all about making tiny robots that are intended to go inside the human body to diagnose and treat illness. So that you know the vision is basically, you know, what if we didn't have to cut you open to go fix you? What if a tiny little little robot could just slowly work its way through you? And uh, you know this this is pretty crazy science fiction stuff, but because we have the GI tract with this huge lumen that goes all the way through the human body, there's actually a, a really appropriate way to begin this concept um, using what we call pill robots or pillbot.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. So this is literally the shape and size of a pill and the, the, the patient swallows it and it has a propeller or how is it moving through your GI tract?
1: Sure, so th- this is a pretty large pill. Um, pill cameras are sort of what we're following. And uh, they tend to be just under 12 millimeters in diameter, about 30 millimeters long. Um, so it's, it's like kind of like a large multivitamin. Um, those have been around since 1998. But what we're really doing is we start asking ourselves the questions like, what if you could have a pill camera that had a propulsion system on it, right? What if that thing could, instead of just passing through the body over 24 hours, What if that thing could move and be controlled in real time by your doctor? And so we started um, making prototypes uh, earlier this year for like, how do you move inside the human body? And we we brainstormed 32 different mechanisms by which you might make a pill move. But our big eureka moment came when we realized that uh, just about every single endoscopy or colonoscopy patient um, has to do like a, a fasting and then, you know, drink a bunch of clear liquid. And we realized we, we think we might be able to make a little submarine pill that can swim inside the human body. And that's when things uh, started to move really fast. So what is the actual propulsion method then? This is like a, it's like a little quadcopter inside your body, but um, without any external scary propellers, it's, it's a pill and it has little vents inside it, um, with, with embedded propellers. And so these four pump jets are able to be differentially thrusted um, to, to literally swim in, in six degrees of freedom. So we can go forward, backward, but we can turn left and right. We can spin on our axis. Um, and so if you've ever seen like a quadcopter pilot do some really amazing aerobatics, um, that's the kind of motion we want to bring to these, uh, these medical pill robots.
0: Yeah, it sounds crazy. It sounds like some, uh, my ki- I forget the name of it, my kids watch some show where it's like so, the magic school bus, is that it? So
1: that is exactly right, right. So <laughs> we want to make the magic school bus for the human body. Um, We basically want to be the bus drivers. Andiotics, uh wants to basically be the tip of the catheter minus the catheter. And so while we have a, a an array of products that we're working on that we want to bring to market such as you know like a pill diagnostic robot PillBot, followed by pill surgeon uh, which which would snip polyps and cauterize bleeds and take tissue samples scope the bile duct for early stage pancreatic cancer um, you know we even want to make a micro version that goes other places in the body like your brain um, so while endiotics has all sorts of visions for things we want to do we really more than anything want to create a standard platform for tiny robots moving inside the body so that we can collaborate with people all around the world someone might want to take a novel new drug to a certain location um, without having it go systemic through the whole body just a targeted local injection we want to help someone might want to re-engineer the microbiome and, and need to get to a certain place at a certain time. And we think we could help with that too. You know, we, we really see sort of like an endless list of possibilities and it all begins with kind of cutting the cord to the traditional laparoscopic catheter.
0: Yeah. Amazing. So what was your What were you doing before this? Were you in robotics? Were you in the medical field? Where'd this idea, this wild idea come from? Or were you watching Magic School Bus with some kids and you're like, hey, I could build that in (laughs) in real life?
1: Well, I I never had a television as a kid. In fact, I was actually born in a dirt floor cabin in the the High Sierras in the Eastern Sierra Nevada. And um, my my dad was a homesteading hang glider pilot, and he raised me uh, uh, road tripping through Central America. And so I, I had a very interesting childhood, but, um, as, as interesting as my dad is, it, you know, it, it is progressive as, you know, and, and sort of forward thinking, um, he loved military air shows and science fiction. So while, while I might've had sort of a hippie upbringing, it was also heavily interlaced with, uh, awesome fighter jets and, and science fiction movies. And so like my entire childhood was, uh, was basically just looking at the world um, almost from like the the third person perspective, and just thinking like, "Hey man, you know, I want to fly in outer space. I want I want tiny robots going inside the body. You know, I. Why is it that people are still dying over plumbing issues, right? Um, and and so I went off to school to become an aerospace engineer because aerospace engineering was the only the only major that I could see that really seemed to capture the wonder uh, and and the soaring ambition that I was raised in, and um, and and that ended up being a tool for me when I found Silicon Valley and and our startup culture, um, and I was lucky enough to fall in with a, an amazing group of people. Um, one man in particular, Paul Escadero, who's a who's an incredibly famous uh, medical device like serial entrepreneur and right here on the peninsula. And he basically taught me um, what a Silicon Valley startup looks like. And so I I never really looked back. I've been designing medical devices ever since.
0: Interesting. Is this your first startup yourself though? Or did you uh, start some other ones before this?
1: Absolutely. This is my first startup um, I, I had always sort of, uh, looked at your employee number to see sort of where you are on the, on, on the chain that, that connects you to that first moment of inspiration. Right. So I think I was employee number 11 at my first med device startup job. And then, uh, and then the next one was, was number seven. Um, and, uh, my specialty was always, so you've got a napkin sketch of, of an idea, I've got a whole lifetime of being a maker. I, you know, before I ever had CNC machines and lasers and computer-aided design, um, on the road trips throughout Central America, I had a pocket knife, and I had twigs, and I had nails, and I had leaves, and you know, grease from the car. And my dad taught me to carve driftwood propellers and mount them on nails and put them on a stick and put it out the window and have it spin. And so I. I always had this kind of intuitive grasp of things, and when you add that, you add aerospace engineering to that, or, or you know any engineering um, course of study. I, I feel like you you get an opportunity to really create stuff, and so mm-hmm. at at all my previous jobs, I was sort of the 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 designer of the of the product, um, but uh, this is the first time I've ever stepped out of the designer role and and actually stepped into the company founder role. And I'm quickly discovering that uh, if you're going to lead a team of brilliant people, you need to be able to let go of of having that tight control over the entire design process and really let people, you know, reach their potential. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Very cool. And so you mentioned you're just about to to go into the body? Does that mean clinical trials or, or what? What's the state of development of the
1: company? Well, so that, that's absolutely right. So we've been spending this amazing summer um, building robot after robot. Our, our first robot was the size of a, um, a very large burrito and we called it PoolBot because it was appropriately sized to swim around in, in swimming pools. <laughs> our, our next robot we called FishBot because uh, you know we use fish tanks to test it out. And so we're finally down to what we're calling Swallowbot, bot, you know, which is a, it's a, it's a bot capable of going inside a person. And so the, the robot that I'm holding in my hand right now is to, it's, it's about 30% larger than a, than a, than a pill cam on the market. So as an R and D device, it's, it's, it's very exciting, but we're still working on getting at that last, that last scale down. But basically, you find us at this moment where we've just ordered the the PCBs, the electronic package, um, for this uh, first swallow bot, who we affectionately refer to as Chad. Um, because, uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, And basically, this robot is going to go inside my belly um, in about six weeks or less. You're going to test it on yourself. We're going to test it on ourselves because the G i tract is not your arteries your veins right the yeah. G i tract is a relatively forgiving environment, and we've been swallowing our own mock-up capsules all year long <laughs> you know i I take uh twenty three and a half hours plus or minus a half hour to pass a a, a pill cam sized blunt object right and uh, it's weird medical device gets weird right but w- we're, we're sort of moving beyond the weirdness and trying to get, get this opportunity unlocked. My goal is to take a a, a full day natural passage to the human body and, and try to see if we can get that to be 15 minutes, right? This is what propulsion and active control is all about. Um, and so this robot that we're putting together probably will be tested in me just because, I know the risks I know the hazards and our are the doctors on our team are are willing to kind of work with me and sit with me and um you know we have some uh, we have some uh, plan B you know uh, routes available if we need to get this thing out of me and um w- the reason we're doing this is that we tried testing our devices on you know s- squid bodies we we went to the butcher and got guts right and we we've done all this type of testing but the the one thing that we just know for sure is that it is going to be a humbling experience getting this first in human um experience and in in our opinion the real the real technical learning um happens once we're in 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 the actual environment that we're intended to go to
0: yeah fascinating I won't even ask how you retrieve the bots uh, <laughs> at the end, but uh, we can skip over that, gloss over it a little, a little bit.
1: Um, well, that's you know a- what, it's, 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 a, it's, an important, it's an important thing, right? Our goal is for a patient to be able to have a completely dignified 21st century colonoscopy, right? So my, my ideal outcome for our first product would be Let's say Joe has to go get his colonoscopy um, his doctor would would ask him to to fast for twenty four hours and drink some liquid um, and then where we defer is that you know normally you would you would go to the hospital and you would get sedated you'd fall asleep um, they would they would do the procedure by inserting the you know either an endoscope down your th- down your nose um, or a colonoscope up somewhere else um, and Ultimately, the patient wakes up, they're often feeling kind of groggy. Sometimes people are even nauseous or vomiting, disoriented. Um, some people wake up and they feel fine. But because of the sedation and because of all the, all the you know, the, the scopes and where the scopes are going, the colonoscopy is, is not really that fun of an experience. And so we want to take that same patient and just sit them down and say, hey, swallow this pill and look at the monitor let's 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 drive our magic school bus through you and check you out and and hopefully while they're watching and over the course of you know maybe 15 20 minutes um we give them a clean bill of health and uh, you know at that point they would go to the restroom go potty and go back to work yeah fascinating
0: very interesting okay um I guess do you start, you mentioned there are other pill cameras out there. Do you start as sort of just another competitor in that space and then move into surgery, or what, what are the sort of the...
1: Absolutely, right. So we, we really are standing on the shoulders of giants here, right? So in, in the late 90s, um, a brilliant group of Israelis invented the first pill cam, um, and uh, they were called Given Imaging. And uh, in 2001, they hit the U.S. market, Um, and then in 2014, they sold for almost a billion dollars to COVIDian, which -hmm. was then shortly thereafter acquired by Medtronic. And that's when I took notice because I had, I had been actively, uh, designing med devices and going through some exits in, in the med device world. And, you know, a billion dollar exit, um, 860 million to be precise. So I'm rounding up slightly there. Um that that got my notice because i had made roto rooters for the human body like mechanical atherectomy catheters to remove plaque from the inside of arteries and when our little company sold for 220 million it was still a great return on investment and we made the investors money and that ended up paying off my burning man tab um, but uh i uh, i just thought to myself like man you know here's a tiny electronic capsule and it's having a a huge impact on the world as as evidenced by this acquisition and I started to think when I was a kid I dreamt about these little tiny robots because I saw the movies and I saw science fiction um why aren't we there now and and I was kind of amazed to realize that you know it's been 20 years since pill cameras were, were invented, and, and no one has taken that next logical step, let's make these things move. Um, there's a ton of academic research on it, but, but by and large, all of the academic research ends in someone getting a PhD and getting an office on a campus somewhere, and that's, that's the end of it. And in my opinion, um, you know, we're, we're losing about 57,000 Americans every year to, to pancreatic cancer, because it gets diagnosed at stage 4 you know when it's already yeah. metastasized you know what yeah. what if what if a, a colonoscopy was a complete gi sweep and we could scope you for that and 10 other things right and so i started to feel like there is a there is an imperative to take this next step like people are dying all around the world that that don't need to right and so i i started I started uh, drawing pill robots in the margins of my notebooks, Um, but honestly, it wasn't until I saw a targeted Facebook ad for Founder Institute that said, come practice pitch your idea, that I finally took that plunge, and uh, the rest is history. I I am incredibly grateful to to the entrepreneurial support culture that we have here in Silicon Valley, because I could not have done this without Founder Institute.
0: Well, very good. Let's talk about raising money. So, how much have you guys raised? And uh...
1: so we've closed 185k. This was in a, a friends and family round, and it was it was actually triggered um, in a, in, quarter, in sort of a, a a roundabout way. So we we had sort of a personal runway laid out when we started the company, Founder Institute grilled us on this they said if you're going to start a company you have to get your finances in order so that you can go say nine months without income and so all three co-founders sort of you know bought a bunch of uh, spaghetti and ramen noodles and and really hunkered down and got ready to not earn money for a while and uh, we didn't think we were going to have to fundraise at this stage but my cto Dan Moyer, this brilliant electrical engineer, one of my very best friends, his mother is the robotics coach uh, for Gunn Elementary, I'm sorry, Gun High School, uh, for the first robotics team. And she, she called us up and said, you guys are building robots? I have some brilliant kids for you. They're, they're all studying advanced stuff at, uh, at uh, some pretty amazing schools, and they came out of my robotics program, and they're looking for summer interns, internships. So, we interviewed these kids, and very quickly realized we 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 had to hire them immediately and this is where our personal runway was going to no longer be able to cover it because not only are we not going to ask a, a a brilliant young intern to work for free, but we're also going to try to pay them um more than their friends are making uh, and give them equity in the company we're 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 not about to try to take advantage of brilliant young minds we're trying to we're trying to win their trust and bring them into our family. And so I realized I had to raise money fast. And so I had uh, I had just gotten into the funding lab program that Founder Institute offers and um, I basically had a crack course in fundraising. And so I I made it known that I would no longer be producing this uh, this giant theme camp at Burning Man and that that our giant Tesla coil project was on hold. And that we were going on a, an adventure in Silicon Valley um, with, with idiotics and people began reaching out to me asking if they could be a part of the journey. And this is where I started to learn important terms like accredited investor and minimum check size.
0: Yeah, interesting. So talk on that a little bit. You, you, I think you've mentioned in the past to me that you sort of raised from a bunch of Burning Man <laughs> fellows. Um, how did it come together? They just heard about what you're doing, and so this, you know, this how did is you round probably
1: <laughs> this is probably an important time to to talk a little bit about our exploits at Burning Man. So, uh, sort of being raised by hippies, I uh, I was a little skeptical of Burning Man um, at first uh, because I I sort of felt like that represented my past, and I had spent a lot of work trying to claw my way into society and get traction in the world, so I could go um, you know follow my dreams. Um, but a friend, a very close friend, dragged me, said, "You have to go. you have to experience this." And it took me about seven seconds at the event to realize that there was something very special going on. Um, I had never seen art created on that scale. I had never seen groups of people so passionate and so dedicated to 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 seemingly self selfless, selfless causes and so it it really triggered my inner maker and I started to dream of, of building stuff there myself. So after attending the event in 2012, I returned in 2013 with a group of friends, and we founded a theme camp known as Sexton, um, fashioned after the navigational instrument, which is a sort of a beautiful symbol of scientific endeavor. And we we very quickly began building giant towers, which was uh, my mechanical contribution, and zip lines. Um, but my my friend Dan Moyer, and now my CTO, approached me one day and he said, I want to build a I wanna build a big Tesla coil. And I said, you know, how big are we talking about? It? And he said, about five feet tall. And by the time we were done with this, um, our egos had forced it to become this 32-foot monstrosity throwing 20-foot lightning bolts. And it it took us three, three years, three cycles through Burning Man. To get that huge thing working, I mean, we we blew over one hundred thousand dollars of personal money. I have no idea where that came from. I guess maybe uh, the occasional you know exit uh, from med device startup. Um, but uh, we we would bring that non-functional Tesla coil out to Burning Man and set it up anyways, and people would come and talk to us, and we would share the process, and we basically were were very public with. This, this goal, you know, we're gonna build this giant thing. No, we're not gonna build the scale model first and we're gonna do it publicly. And it forced us to engage the maker community like never before. Um, the maker space known as tech shop um, became our second home where we we learned how to water jet to CNC machine, laser cut. We learned how to operate um, sewing machines i I'm, I'm actually checked out on four types of sewing machines at uh at makerspaces now hmm. um you know for doing industrial webbing and, and stuff like that so when we finally got this tesla coil working um it, it 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 became a bit of an iconic figure at burning man it was certainly not the the first tesla coil there but it uh it was very much the biggest one and uh i think it represented to the community um that, that Burning Man is, a, is an innovation hub. You know, it's a place where people will go and meet and collaborate and do amazing things because there's, there's no greater empty canvas than a dry lake bed. Sure. And, and so when, when we finally had our fill after uh, let's see, you know, 2013 through 2018 was, was uh, the years that we produced Sextant, Um, we, we had an amazing network and following of high functioning individuals that think outside the box. And so eight of our nine investors currently are, are hardcore burners who have, uh, have had their own fair share of, of success out in the tech world.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, you hear stories about, you know, I don't know if it's really true or not, but, uh, Sergey, Sergey Brin, and Mark Zuckerberg, and everyone kind of flying into Bernie Man, hanging out there. It sounds like it's uh, a pretty good (laughs) environment to make high-powered connections. Although that would be sort of antithesis of what you're really there for, right? (laughs)
1: What What I can tell you is that um, one of those guys actually uh, approached us last year during the Build Week, and he said that. You know his son had to return to school and that he kept seeing our tower and and you know would love to ride the zip line and it, it, this this was an extremely humble gracious man walking up your access road um, like any other burner uh, with a, a really sweet nice little kid um, and and we said you know what why not you know it, it, the event hadn't begun yet, but we had done all the testing, and we had strung the zip line, and we had uh, ensured that the braking system was safe. And uh, I just started getting up members of my camp, and uh, we 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 were able to have a really special experience where someone um, who has uh, been one of the great innovators um, in, <laughs> I mean, in Silicon Valley history, but also human history, um, uh, ran our zip line with with their with their kid. And it it was a really special moment for us because we felt like, um, this in essence kind of represented a bridge between the, the, the art world and Silicon Valley, you know, that the burning man world was not just a week long hedonistic party in the desert, but was actually an innovation hub and was actually a, a place for collaboration. And so that was a big moment of inspiration for us and we're certainly hoping to uh to be able to make our own mark on silicon valley now you can't name names <laughs> <laughs> oh boy um you know i i i i've tried to uh i've tried to be slightly um slightly coy here um but um it's uh yeah it was very good oh um, cool neat that's really um, cool. But uh, all, I, all I can say for anyone listening is that, uh, you know, that is a human being like anyone else. And, and uh, one of the things that I really was struck by was um, when, when, when his son was going to climb the tower, um, you know, it's, it's a 52-foot tower and it's a, it's a chain ladder you have to climb. And it, it was so interesting to, to, to hear the, the dialogue between father and son. Because you had a kid expressing interest in climbing the thing, and also expressing a healthy degree of fear, <laughs> and and the father was was saying, you know what, um, it's totally okay to be afraid, and this is kind of a cool thing, mm-hmm. and you know what, you you can take your time. This is not something you have to do, but if you want to do it, I think it's okay, and 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 uh, and and I do support you in that, and. And then, and then this kid climbs the tower, um, clips in, and, uh, and, and runs the zip line. And I thought to myself, you know what? If I am graced with the opportunity to become a father, I would love to be able to, to be that kind of a father. You know, someone who exposes their kid to awesome things, allows them to take risks. Um, in a in a in a somewhat guided manner, um, but but doesn't actually force them to do it. Um, it 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 was it was awesome, and and, uh, and and I was really happy to be able to witness that. Yeah, that's really special.
0: Let's talk about getting back to the fundraising. So you've got this sort of, you know, group, peer group of makers, innovators, followers, if you want to call it that. People have seen you guys build stuff at Burning Man, but how did you Actually, wrangle up checks out of people. I mean, sometimes there's that context shifting where you're like, you know, getting out of Burning Man, and now you're trying to get money out of people. Was there any difficulty in that, or were people pretty just eager to to fund you, knowing well, that you could? Yeah, go ahead.
1: Absolutely. So, so here's the deal. Like, Founder Institute took uh, an engineer with a, you know, his head in the clouds, you know, myself, and and just boiled me down. at you know. Ryan Micheletti at, at at Founder Institute says that this is boot camp for for founders, right? This is startup boot camp. Everything is a test, right? And so I treated my interactions with potential investors um with all of the tips and tricks and rules that I was taught. So right from the beginning, we we had been forced to incorporate the company as part of going through the program. And um we incorporated with Perkins Cooey who have been amazing for us um, on the, on the corporate side, but also on the, uh, the, the IP and trademarking side. Um, And we, they basically set up a, a a platform where we would use MFN safe notes. And what I would do is I would get a very excited potential investor who is, who is starting to talk about numbers. um, And then we would, we would hand them off to Perkins Cooey to uh, to basically um, run them through the standard paperwork. And the the thing that was amazing was every single potential investor was, you know, had a lot of questions. Right? Had tons of different questions. Many of them were very very curious. Like, you know, are we getting a discount? Or, um, you know, can we get these special uh, terms or conditions? And and what I really loved about working with Perkins Cooey in the process was they were able to very calmly and very gently just kind of guide all of the investors into the same set of terms. So that we had a a package of nine names, all accredited, um, all all operating under the same MFN safe notes. And um, it was I I honestly don't think that I could have appropriately closed. These investors. If I didn't have the guidance, I'm. I'm. I am i do not know how people found companies without, without, uh, without incubators. I have huge respect for for entrepreneurs who just <laughs> jump in and found a company and learn as they go because that is that is that is a special kind of uh, of uh, boiling water to jump into. Sure.
0: Cool. Very good. All right. Well, I guess maybe let's talk about you know. What you're doing sounds like it's going to take some serious capital to put to work. So, how are you thinking about your next round? How are you thinking about your fundraising strategy sure. from a high level?
1: <laughs> well, as of this morning, I just uh, I just wired um, just under 10k, and and uh, now our you know our balance of the bank just dipped below 100k. Right. So, so fundraising is a is a constant a constant process, and it's it's always on your the founder's mind. Right. So the the money that we brought in with friends and family uh, you know initially we only thought we would raise like 50k to pay for the interns summer experience but um, more people got got interested than we wanted to and Perkins Cooey was uh, smart enough to authorize the 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 fundraise for for twice what we you know then then asked for and and we ended up nearly filling it um, so the money that we raised has been useful and it's allowed us to build R&D prototypes and Learn how to program FPGAs, which is a that is like a a very that is like bottom of the stack. You know that's deep tech programming. That's not UI UX stuff. We we've had to learn a lot of special skills over the course of this summer. What comes next for us is a transition. So, Endiotics right now is really uh, our warehouse in Oakland with our machine shop. We have over fifty thousand pounds of machine tools that uh, we put together to build big art, <laughs> big Tesla coils, towers, zipline. Um, Endiotics is a machine shop. Endiotics is my living room. Endiotics is, is our CTO Dan's living room. And it is the couches and laptops and 3D printers and soldering stations um, that make these R&D robots. And the, the coming transition um, is the transition that every med device startup hopes for. It's where you move into a small building right here on the peninsula, you build a CER controlled environment room where you can manufacture a clinical product and you start hiring clinical people and you start hiring a very small manufacturing team. And so we're about to, to go through a very important metamorphosis. And so our goal is to hit the fall fundraising season with actual live human demos to be able to demonstrate. And uh, the robots that we're doing these demos with will be, will be 3D printed, 3D printed out of biocompatible material thanks to Formlabs and their uh, support for dentists around the world making retainers, Um, but 3D printed nonetheless. And our goal this fall is to be able to tell the world of venture capital that we have an amazing, ambitious goal and that we have a reasonable amount of traction. And what we need is support transitioning from an R&D organization to a very small medical manufacturing organization. And we think we need a minimum of five million dollars to support us over the next two years as we uh, begin manufacturing clinically suitable products and begin uh, conducting a very small clinical trial. Uh, we think about 100 patients, we think about 18 months to market.
0: The. I'm already thinking about this. You know, one of the things I am always telling founders when raising money is your pitch needs to be memorable. So I can envision you swallowing a pill, going into the VC's office, your co-founder, you know, putting it up on the monitor (laughs) and your co-founder pilots it through your, uh, your GI in the middle of the meeting. How about, how about that? That would be
1: memorable what I can tell you is that's exactly what we want to do. Um, the, the one thing I would add to that is that coming, coming back from Burning Man this last year, um, especially having that experience, you know, meeting, meeting someone so special who had had such an impact on the tech world uh, and the, and you really the, the, the world in general. Um, I, I need to admit that I have had to do a huge amount of change personal change during this process. I've had to be like putty to be molded because it turns out um, founding a company asks more of a person than I had to offer at that time. And so I just, I had to grow with the role, right? So as of October of last year, my fantasy was that, that we would cobble together a prototype and we would try to, you know, pull some kind of social lever to get an audience with, with one of the great people in Silicon Valley. And you know, we'd walk into their office, swallow the robot, and they would write us a huge check. And, uh, it turns out, you know, that, that, that is a very childish fantasy, right? It, it was really clicking on that targeted Facebook ad and, uh, going into founder Institute and basically getting taken way outside of my comfort zone. Um, learning all the other stuff a founder needs to know to, to create a company um, that is really putting us in a position to not really need a, a magic unicorn moment. Our goal is to show that this dream is real, that these prototypes work, um, and, that, uh, and that this is a worthy investment opportunity. But to be honest, I, I feel that a little bit of showmanship is, is actually in order. Because we're trying to inspire people. We're trying to inspire people to go on an adventure with us. And I, I think staring at a PowerPoint presentation can only really convey so much. And so, yeah, it's my sincere goal to swallow this thing in front of a live group of people and, uh, <laughs> and just show it, show it off in real time, right? I mean, that's, that's what we're here to do, right? And, if, and if, if our prototypes can't do that, you know, then, then we haven't done our end of the bargain you know we, we we haven't actually earned the right um you know to, to to raise money at that level in my opinion
0: yeah very fun all right well Tori this is really fascinating and way out there sci-fi which I love so I'm excited for this uh and I'm approaching the age where I have to start getting colonoscopies or, or uh whatever colon checks. so I hope you get this to market soon <laughs>
1: um absolutely you know that the next huge hurry up man (laughs) the next huge test for us is uh you know it's it's one thing to uh to to give convince your personal network to to put money into you because they they love you and they you know they they feel that you're the smartest person in the world um now we're actually facing outward we're going out into the community at large and uh now it's up to us to uh to, to to really make the case for this um Outside of any personal connection, so this next fundraising season that we're entering is going to be, you know, a, a, an important transition for us. And you know, maybe maybe I can come back and uh, we can talk about chapter two after that's all wrapped up.
0: Absolutely, I'd love that. That'd be fun. I'd love to hear the stories from the the road show. So that'd be pretty exciting. All right, my friend, have a great weekend. Hopefully, you get out on your motorcycle, and uh, we'll catch you after you uh, complete this fundraising. How about that?
1: Thank you so much. Catch you later, Nathan.
0: Bye. Bye.